You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. That he brings it up from behind the goal, he scores! Travis Konechny down low, cuts out to the front of the net and beats Thatcher Demko, and the Flyers have the go-ahead goal. I've been on for all week, so pretty frustrated. I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitty angry. Hey, how about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right down your throat? Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, we are also, as mentioned, coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'll apologize to everyone ahead of time. I, I might be I might be a little under the weather today. My voice is a little scratchy oh. this morning, have you noticed? Were you yelling at the TV a lot this weekend, or is it just you know, you're maybe getting sick? You know what? I, it's probably the latter, but mm-hmm. there was also a part of the former as well. So I, I will say ahead of this, bad Canucks loss over the weekend. Right? Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. It was a downer. It was bad. But it was a good sports weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend despite how poorly the Canucks played it on was, Saturday. It was a terrific sports weekend and I was very into the games over the weekend on especially on Saturday when I did a lot of yelling at the TV. Actually, I don't think I've yelled at the TV in a sports capacity like that in quite a long time because first you had the Canucks game mm-hmm. where I was yelling in frustration and the and at the same time and for about three or four hours after the Canucks game ended, I was yelling in encouragement, occasional frustration at the Mariners game. Uh, so what's happening on the program today, you may be asking. At 6.30, we are going to be joined by Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. She is the Capitals beat writer for said publication. The Canucks are in Washington tonight, 4 o'clock puck drop. Uh, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. You can watch it on the Sportsnet television station. 7 o'clock, Mike Tanier. Our NFL insider from Football Outsiders is going to join us. A reminder, Mike is our Monday morning quarterback, and he is brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home for football. Catch all of the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. You can also check them out on the internet at theclaytonpub.com. 8 o'clock, iMac is going to join us. There's going to be a lot of Canucks talk today on the show. We are both fully cognizant of the fact that a lot happened over the weekend. We probably won't get to it all. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, the te- the, the Tennessee Alabama game, which was also terrific on Saturday, we might we might have to kind of like overlook that a we little gonna, bit. I thought we were going to lead with Rocky Top today uh, and throwing the goalposts in yep. the uh, in the river. <laughs> That'd be tough to organize, by the way. They did it amazingly well. Well, I don't the student, know if they the student did, body though. the student body really rallied at that. Moment. I think they had to turn the goalposts around at one point because there was one point that I saw that they were heading up the, the aisles. And I'm like, I don't think you're getting these goalposts out gate five. Like, I think you're going to have to turn it around and 
and take it out the end where they bring in all the heavy equipment. Then they had to bring it down to the river and they threw it in the river. The river so, was a good. That's a yeah. nice way to end anything. Yeah. The, vol- we- the vols are back, baby. And now we have to stop talking about them. When anyone ever asks, what are we going to do with it? A good answer is always, we're going to throw it in the river. We're throwing it in the river. Yeah. So 8 o'clock, iMac is going to join us. 7 o'clock, Mike Tannier. 6.30, Samantha Pell for a Caps Canucks preview. Uh, tonight, man, it's another awesome sports night. Just continuing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So if you want to work on your couch groove tonight, I highly recommend you start at 4 o'clock. That's when the Canucks are going to take on the Capitals. Also, if you want a full bevy of NHL action tonight, you've got the Coyotes in Toronto. Florida-Boston's a good matchup. Uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins are in Montreal. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, they're in Minnesota. And you've got Seattle hosting Carolina. That's not all. Monday night football, if you so choose. It might not be a great game because the Denver Broncos are involved, but... Chargers Broncos classic rivalry, and if that's not enough, Jason, what are you talking about? Like it, it, the Broncos games are must see TV right I now. Suppose. Must see TV suppose. to see them play badly. That's fair. Okay, so if you want to watch that, it's there for you. And if that is not enough, Game Five, Yankee Stadium, Yankees Guardians, winner advances to the American League Championship Series to take on the Astros. So it is a huge, huge night of sports. We have so much stuff that we need to cover from the weekend. So without further ado, uh, Laddie, A-Dog, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? (sighs) Canucks lose. Canucks lose. For the second consecutive game to start the season... The Canucks jumped out to a multi-goal lead on the road. But for the second consecutive game this season, the Canucks lost and got no points in Philadelphia. A 3-2 loss to the Flyers on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Arena from Philly. Yeah, if the loss in Edmonton could be partially explained by, you know, the Oilers have McDavid and he's pretty good. Oh, and they also have Drysaddle. And, you know, at the very least, the Canucks... Played a really strong first period. Like, they looked legitimately good. They played legitimately well on the first against the Edmonton Oilers. There was no moral victory whatsoever in Saturday's 3-2 loss in Philly. I just want you guys to all consider a few things about this game. Let's go. The Canucks didn't play well in the first period, even though they led 2-0. They got two goals against the flow of play. The first one by Kyle Burrow should have been stopped by Carter Hart. The second one was a nice one, but it came near the end of the first period after the Flyers had controlled most of the play. The Canucks still blew that lead. Another multi-goal lead. They led 3-0 in Edmonton, didn't get a point. They led 2-0 in Philly, didn't get a point. So they didn't even get these games to overtime. Saturday against the Flyers, the Canucks' best players were all underwhelming. Demko made a few saves, but he wasn't amazing. Miller had possibly the worst game of his Canucks career against the Flyers. Petey wasn't good. Horvat wasn't good. Besser wasn't good. Even Hughes, not great. And perhaps, well, I mean, if you can get any more concerning than all the things I've already said, their special teams were atrocious. Mm. The power play, which we all expected to be good, 
has surrendered more goals than it scored. Is that bad? It is currently operating at a negative clip. Is that bad? Power plays aren't supposed to work like that, right? Ideally, you're not supposed to get scored on during the power play? No, ideally... I'm not an initial coach. Ideally, you're not supposed to throw the puck <laughs> blindly into the middle of the ice and then go like, oh, God, it's going back the other way. It's a breakaway. So that's... It happened in, in Edmonton, a three-on-one the other way when Petey threw a blind pass into the middle and Horvat couldn't handle it. And it happened uh, a clear breakaway against the Flyers on Saturday when JT Miller had one of his 30 puck management issues and it went the other way for a breakaway and the Flyers scored. It it was ugly on Saturday. And, you know, I... And, and, and if you're coming at me and going, say, it's only game two of the season, only been two games of the season, the, the thing with that is, like, yeah, you can say that, and, of course, there's still time for the Canucks to rebound. There's still time for the Canucks to rebound on this five-game road trip. There's three games left. Mm-hmm. The issue is, like, the core of this team is still the same, and, you know, it's the same issues that frustrated us, like, last season, whether it is special teams or not playing a full 60 or just basic puck management, it doesn't look good so far, does it? No, and uh, I'll apologize ahead of time for making a Whitecaps analogy here, but I want to because, one, it's a local squadron, and two... I will accept your apology, but you should be sorry. Thank you. Uh, here's the thing. There was, a, there was a phase in the season, <clears throat> the Whitecaps season, that is, where they had a string of results. Do you remember this where they were scoring goals in the last 5 or 10 minutes to either salvage a point or steal all three and they were getting results. It was it was sure. about a yeah. 5 or 6 yeah. game stretch. And a lot of people were saying, "Wow, what a what a resilient team. Never say die attitude. They'll always find a way to rally. They'll always have that comeback in them." And then there was another cross section of the fan base that said, "How about now not falling behind all the time? Why not try and do it differently?" <laughs> Is it a good sign for your group that you are constantly having to rally, constantly having to play catch-up? Catch-up, Jason. Catch-up. I couldn't agree more, and I cannot tell you how many times. You liked my Whitecaps analogy, didn't you? Well, I like the idea behind it. All right. I cannot tell you how many times we've said on this show over the last, I don't know, let's just say a year, right? Well, let's see how they respond tonight. That's going to tell us a lot about this group. And sometimes they do respond. But to your point, how about not having to bounce back from bad games so much? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, how about, how about that? How about putting in a consistent effort so you're just like, you're not like, well, that was terrible. You know? Let's see if they can respond. Because we, we are going to wait and see if they can respond tonight and on this rest of this road trip. It's hardly the most daunting road trip, granted – they might have already blown their opportunity to get points off the worst team. They got Washington tonight. The Capitals are off to a so-so start. They got Columbus tomorrow. Now, granted, it's the second game of back-to-back, and these are always tough, and maybe mm. we'll see Spencer Martin in goal in Columbus, but the Blue Jackets do not look good early on. And the Minnesota Wild don't look good early on. Nope. And the Canucks play them Thursday in Minnesota before returning for their home opener Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres, you know, win th- win all three of those games, or even just two out of the three, and we might avoid a full-blown panic before that home opener. But 
right now, if you're looking at it, you're looking at the very distinct possibility that the Canucks will open the season at Rogers Arena Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres with a record of like one and four. That best, maybe best two and three. The way here's the thing: both things can be true here. One, uh, it can be said that yes, it's only two games into the season and it's too early for panic. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You could say uh, they had a great start in Edmonton, <clears throat> and then Connor McDavid happened, and then they went to Philly and got a early afternoon start on the East Coast, and they were flat. You could say that. At the same time, you could also say, and this is also very true, that the issues that presented themselves at the beginning of last year that essentially tanked the season and cost Travis Green his job are still there. Both those things can be true. Like, there's no way that you could argue either of them right now. And the reality of it is, is you kind of have to figure out, really, unfortunately, what comes next for this team. Because that's the big thing now, is when you play this particular style, meaning underwhelming, and then always having to play catch-up. It's always about what you're going to do next. How are you going to respond to adversity? How are you going to respond to the challenges? The question tonight isn't how do you keep the good vibes going. It's not how do you manage to manufacture a third straight win. It's the same song and dance that they had a lot under Travis Green and in the second half of Bruce Boudreaux. So I guess you can credit JT Miller for honesty in his post-game remarks. You can't credit him for playing well. Um, you can't credit him for turning around his defensive game, something that he's been trying to do. Said he wants to focus more on on playing well in his own end. And he's been on the ice for all eight Canuck goals. Not all of them were his fault, but a few of them were. I mean, his puck handling mistake uh, at on the on the Flyers' game winning goal, where the puck just came to him, it was bouncing a little bit in front of the net. And he flubbed it, and the Flyers got it and scored an easy goal, and that was the winning goal. That, to me, was almost like, am I seeing Elias Pettersson from last season? Ooh, yeah. Do you know I what I mean? Yeah, I it was kind I was, of like – I was just about to say are, the same thing. Is your confidence that low now that you, you can't even pick up the puck? Uh, JT Miller said afterwards, you know, we played this clip in the intro. I've been on the ice for all eight goals. I'm not going to criticize the rest of the team when I can't even lead by example – his head coach was told by a reporter that JT says he's not playing very well. This is what Bruce Boudreaux had to say. You know, I don't know how many goals, but he's been on for about seven or eight goals right now against. So, I mean, but I know he's a great player. I know he's going to get better. Um, just uh, he's having a little bit of a rough time right now. That he is. And at practice yesterday... And by the way, I thought it was even telling that the Canucks were practicing sure. yesterday. That could have been a day off. They got three games in four nights coming up. But I think the way they've played in their first two games and the fact that they do need to make changes probably to the lines and the pairings mm-hmm. and also, hey, work on that power play that's supposed to be so good. Uh, there were new lines. Miller, off the top line. Horvat is now with Pearson and Besser. And Petey is with Kuzmenko and Lazar. Now, Mikheyev could return to the lineup, but it doesn't seem 100% likely that he's going to return tonight in Washington. Uh, Miller was down with Pod Colson and Garland. Pod Colson's been good. And then Hoaglander... Sounds like he's been dropped all the way to the fourth line. 
with Oman and Joshua. The pairings were different too, out of necessity. It doesn't sound like Tucker Pullman's doing too well. The Canucks had to call up Noah Juleson. I think they sent Sheldon Dries down. Hughes and Shen, OEL and Burroughs, and then Jack Rathbone pairs in or slides in, and he'll play the left side. And Riley Stillman, this new guy to the team, yeah, <laughs> he's been forced into, all right, you're playing right away, barely had any practices. Oh, and now you're going to play your offside with, with Jack Rathbone. So if, good luck with that. If you had told me at any part during the preseason that by game three of the season we would have a Riley Stillman-Jack Rathbone pairing, on defense, I would have said, well, something's gone egregiously wrong. Yeah, you'd have been like, oh, Riley Stillman's on the Canucks now? Also, that's when, interesting. Also, when did they get Riley Stillman? No, but that's – so, again, there's another baked-in excuse as to why the start has gone poorly, is that this defense, which I believe the best phrasing I saw for it, it would be mediocre if healthy, is not healthy. So what do you think management is thinking right now watching these first two games? Um, I think that they are very, very concerned about a here-we-go-again yeah. scenario. Yeah, I think that they are probably – I don't know if you can be extremely upset after two games if you're in a management position because I think you would be reactive. You, you yep. have to have more patience than that. What about five games? No, that's for what we do. If the Canucks go 0-5 to start the season, do you think they do something drastic? No. <laughs> well, I will say this. I'd be surprised if there's a Bo Horvath contract extension coming in <laughs> yeah, this week, okay. right? Like Maybe they, that. There's yeah, no yeah. way they could commit to doing that. It would look strange. But, right now. Yeah. Uh, just, just you know, listen. Uh, I had multiple friends text me and ask me. You have multiple friends? This weekend. <laughs> multiple <laughs> acquaintances. Right <laughs> multiple people that I know. <laughs> Let's not call How them friends. How did you get this number? <laughs> you know. They were like, they were like uh, <laughs> is... is is JT Miller still tradable? Like, yeah. can, they, can they trade him? And they're they're talking about like you know like when does the uh, the no trade clause kick in for his or there's no movement clause and like do you think they still could trade him? Like the fan base, you know, I, I, I the thing about our show is right is like like we reflect the fan base and and right now. You know, we always say, like, oh, well, we're not going to overreact to the first two games. We're a fragile breed. But, of course, you're going to react to the first two games. We're really passionate about this team and, and the way those those games have gone. gone yeah. Like, it's okay to admit. It's okay to admit your fears, right? Especially when you're a fan. We're not management. We don't make the decision. But, I mean, how many of you out there aren't concerned right now about this big contract extension that JT Miller signed and the way he looks right yeah, now? You're just saying the quiet. Just, it's okay. You're just it's saying okay the quiet admit it's okay. We can talk about this. Yeah, you're saying the quiet part out so if I it was looks ma- awful, Canucks, awful. Canucks PTSD. If I was management, my biggest concern right now would be a lot of the things that uh, we, and now I'm talking about the management group as the royal we, a lot of the things that we stressed at the exit meetings last year and in the off season are rearing their ugly heads again, right? I mean, they talked about an approach to play. Um, you know, when they talked about, remember like having better practice habits and being more professional. I wonder if that's what Sunday was a nod to that instead of, Hey boys, take the day off. You're, I think they must've been in DC at that point. They probably flew over Saturday. Yeah. I feel like take the day. Go oh, watch, they probably flew after Philly right. on Saturday. Go, so. You're in DC, go find a bar, watch football, go sure. enjoy the day off. I got a feeling that that might be a management call to, Hey, get back on the ice and practice. Mm-hmm. You're professionals. You're Owen two. You have no business hanging out and having a chill day to watch football all day on Sunday. Flip side of the coin, do you think management's like, you know, 
Connor Bedard is a Canucks fan. Oh, oh, they're too far in right now. <laughs> Stop, they're, Andy. They're too in. Stop. They're too in. Uh, I'm surprised at all the um, criticism that Jason King is getting right now. Come on, guys. Like, it's on the players, the power play. Jason King ran the power play last season and looked good at the end of the year. Yeah. We really blaming Jason King for JT Miller throwing the puck into the middle of the ice or Elias Pettersson? throwing the puck into the middle of ice. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Jason King's that's not on the whiteboard are like, okay guys, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna throw we're gonna manage the puck really badly. We're just gonna we're not we're not we're gonna put it into the middle of the ice and then have have the guys uh back at the blue line caught completely flat footed. It's a it's a bit of a weird plan, I admit and oh, and, oh, and if one of you could 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 fall down, mm-hmm. like that would really help the plan too. It's true. Let's put it on the players here, guys. They haven't been sharp. And Bruce Bujo was talking about, like, our best players haven't been our best players. You know, mm-hmm. on Saturday, like, none of them played well. No. Like, Pedersen's uh, line at five-on-five five has been good. It's been fine. Right? That, that That's grasping at straws if you're looking for if you're looking for positives. The special teams issue is very concerning, and I'm not looking at the coaches. I'm looking at the players on the ice, the guys that are getting paid a lot of money. Yep. To figure this stuff out, to be leaders, to figure it out themselves, not to go, Jason King, can you help us? Well, I did, th- that's why I did like what Miller said after the game. I will give him full full credit for that. Not that he really had anything else to say. I don't think it would have been fair if he turned around and he's like, Demko's got to give us a save. Accountability is nice. I don't think that was going to happen. Look right? at this guy over here. Yeah. yeah. You're right, PD didn't play well. Yeah, right? Like, but um, Horvat, how about some leadership, eh, buddy? This is one of the many times where radio doesn't do it justice, but if you watched the video of JT Miller postgame, like, he was seething. Yeah, he looked like he was about seething, to. Seething, like, yeah. just ready to lose it. And the fact that he only swore once showed great restraint because I'm sure he wanted to, yeah. like many people, swear multiple times and then take a broad, blunt object and smash it. Do you think the smash guy... Smash it. Do you anyway. think the guy who normally has to sit next to JT in the dressing room was like, anyone want to trade? Oh, God. <laughs> Does anyone want to sit over here? Let's look at it. That's a really great side of the dressing room. Yeah, he's got his hand up. Does someone want to change seats? <laughs> the Cosmic Ballet continues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to uh, I want to uh, play a little bit more audio of Bruce Boudreau because Bruce Boudreau is on the hot seat, too. I just read a piece of The Athletic. They're ranking all the hot seats uh, in the NHL. Boudreau is down there with Lindy Ruff, who got booed by the fans <laughs> It's, you know, like Wait, in terms hold on. of like, did Lindy Ruff, was that a joke or did he really ask? Did he really I, mouth well, the words, no, are I they saw, booing me? I didn't see that. I oh, saw it. You did not say, <laughs> are they booing? I saw a tweet on Twitter that somebody was like, apparently he mouthed to one of his assistants. Like, are, it looked like, are they booing? It was something like that. He acknowledged the booing. Yeah, there's and, no audio of it or anything. And that's interesting that the tweet you saw was on Twitter. They're saying, well, it's got to be real. They're saying, you're on fire, Lindy. You're on fire. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of boo urns in here. Uh, here's Bruce Boudreau on the special teams. One for five in these court shorthanded goal, and there's the difference in the game. It's been both games now. It's special teams. I mean, it's uh, uh, if we don't shore that up, we're going to be in trouble. Apparently, Bruce recorded that from inside of a drum. I was going to say. <laughs> What's going on there? Uh, so it's the Vancouver Canucks against the Washington Capitals tonight. Uh, I don't think Ovi scored yet. He did, but it got called back. It got called back. Yeah. yeah. Um, are we assuming, and we'll talk to Samantha Pell from the Washington Post on this coming up. And we'll, we'll by the way, we'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line in about 20 minutes. 
a lot of you guys are uh, very upset about this Canucks team, and you have some opinions. So we'll read those after we talk to Samantha Pell about the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Are we assuming that Ovi's going to break this record, or are we still kind of like, eh, it's getting older, and he's what is he? Is he approximately a hundred goals away, or something like that? Yeah, I remember there was a again an athletic piece doing the projections, and he would basically have to be a thirty goal scorer for three more years. That's assuming that he gets it this year, right? Like the three years following this one, okay. um, th- there's going to have to be a pretty significant. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Consistency level. 114 goals to yeah. go. Gretzky's at 894. Ovi's at 780. I don't know if he's going to get there. Granted, I said that about six or seven years ago. I was like, there's no chance he's going to get there. And he's giving it a run. So maybe I shouldn't doubt him. But, you know, how old is Ovi now? 37. 37? Yeah. It, he, it, could, it, he could do it, but it'd be tough. It basically comes down to you can't have he to be, play till he's like forty three. Well, yeah, yeah he's he cart him off the ice after he gets the well, lockouts and pandemic didn't do him any favors. No, the sure. pandemic, the pandemic really screwed him over, and and yeah, losing a whole. Well, how much did he lose? In well, the he lost lockout? his rookie year. He could he have been in a. Year, he didn't get yeah. to play as an eighteen year old, right? Yep. And then he lost half of a season in eleven twelve, and. Basically, he'd have to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer over the age of 40, which if you look statistically through history, it's like Yager's really and a handful of guys that played in the 20s and 30s when all the other players on the ice were plumbers and stuff like that. And there's but, still the rumor that he might want to go back home and play for a couple more right. years. So yeah. who knows when he wants to retire. Put it this way. If he's I don't get, know if anyone's rushing to go back to Russia. Not right now. Maybe not right yeah. now, but in the yeah, past, yes. picked off the street and like, you know where you're going? Because it's not to play hockey. Uh, so you'll notice it's 625 in the morning now. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we did not talk anything other than Canucks, which admittedly is an injustice to the sports weekend that we had. It was tremendous. The baseball on Saturday, one of the best days of Major League Baseball that I can remember. It was fantastic. There was a ton of football. Uh, You mentioned locally, great weekend for football. If you're not a Seahawks fan still, they're local. Uh, Seahawks won, Lions won, so there's a lot that we can get into. But, uh, look, the Canucks have a game tonight against the Capitals. It is a bit of a pressure cooker right now. Our focus is going to be there on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. So we're going to talk to Samantha Pell. From the Washington Post next. 7 o'clock hour, we will do some NFL with Mike Tannier, our NFL insider, from Football Outsiders. And then 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to IMAX. So there will be a lot of Canucks talk. We will get to the baseball. We will get to the football. But we're going to be hockey heavy today. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. The 2-2 pitch. Swung on and that's launched. High and deep right center. Home run nailer. Oh, and is he fired up around the bases. Garrett, what did you make of a nailer celebration? Yeah. Whatever. It's cute. Yeah, I mean, so it seems like it did bother you a bit. I mean, I, I just was made aware of it. Like, I didn't see it in the moment, and it wouldn't have bothered me in the moment. And it just is kind of funny. 
7.33 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. So that audio you heard there, that was Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole talking about what Josh Naylor did in yesterday's game. A Yankees win, by the way. Uh, Naylor, good Canadian kid. Went a little bananas. Keeps to himself, you know. He just he that was keeps a, it on the low. That was a very demonstrative celebration. There was nothing subtle about that. Bottom four, Naylor, the DH for the Guardians, comes to the dish, takes Cole deep, cuts the Yankees' lead to 3-2. So obviously he's fired up. As he's rounding first, he starts doing the, the, the rock the baby. Originally people thought it was the major league... Uh, you know the cojones, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But, but it no. wasn't. So he's done this before, and then mouthing the words to Garrett Cole as he comes around third base. That's my little effing son. Very demonstrative. They were losing at the time. They went on to lose. Baseball- Does he mean that Garrett Cole's his son? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. That he's his daddy. That's right. Right. You're all. You're putting it all together now. Okay. Um, the baseball gods. They don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Baseball gods exist. Weird things happen. The Padres, a- the Padres won that series. That entire series changed when the goose landed on the field. <laughs> that entire series changed. The Dodgers did not win a game after that goose landed on the field. I don't know. I can't explain it. There's no metrics for it. There's no analytics. Things just weird stuff happens. In I baseball. absolutely love that, by the way. The, the goose, goose. The goose thing. The goose is loose. It was the best thing that happened. Mm-hmm. The new Billy Goat. Yeah. Right? It just happened. Curse. I don't know what to tell you. Naylor, there's no way Naylor should have done that. Not in the playoffs, not against the Yankees, not going back to Yankee Stadium for Game 5. I Look, I know I sound like an idiot. I don't even care. That was not a good move. No I sport changes from regular season to postseason like baseball. Like, you got fans in Seattle that's like, oh, we're just going to wear our shoes on our head. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's Crazy stuff watch. just happens. Yeah. Right? I mean, I was watching that Dodgers-Padres game. Nothing was going right for the Padres through six innings. They had two hits. They had no runs. And then in the top of the seventh they were booting the ball around like it was a hand grenade couldn't feel the bunt freddie freeman smacks one back up the middle it hits second base like nothing was going right and then like at five runs seventh inning they finally beat the dodgers by the way the dodgers are in a complete like tailspin yeah. right now the fans are furious bill plaschke at the new uh, the, at the la times like this is the biggest collapse in franchise history <laughs> it's bad it's the manager's bad. coming back dave roberts does not know how to manage a bullpen that is very obvious. I think he looks at the analytics too much. He was just running through relievers, and it did not work. Anyway. How many hours of baseball did you watch this weekend? Uh, it's 8 to 10. No, 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 because the Mariners game was 7 by itself. I didn't watch a whole Mariners game. Oh, you I was gone Saturday afternoon, so I was, and I was also Ooh. juggling trying to keep tabs on the Canucks game mm-hmm. mobily. Right. And so, like, the, the Mariners game got pushed because I didn't really – I didn't really care. Like, it was nice that they had playoff baseball back in Seattle, mm-hmm. but I knew they were done. I'm sorry. I just I knew they weren't going to beat the Astros. So, I, yeah, okay. instinctively, I just put it on the back burner. But then I got home, and I was like, woohoo, free baseball. Like, they give us the entire second game, right? It was hilarious. Yeah. On Saturday, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch the Canucks game and the Mariners game at the same time. Then I'm going to go get some exercise, right? Oh, and wow. then instead of that, I'm like, what well, got dropped him and, not, uh, and right it lo- there. And it looks like I'm on the couch for a seventh straight hour here. Yeah, I'm just going to order pizza. It was amazing, right? Yeah. And then they had to bump the 
Padres game, like they bumped it by almost 40 minutes. They said it was a rain delay, but everyone's like, that's not a rain delay. You just don't want it to overlap mm-hmm. with the, the Yankees game and the Mariners game. So that game went till almost 11 at night our time. So it was this full spectacle of baseball, and it was awesome. But the Mariners, again, um, you mentioned this earlier, I think. It was a sweep, but it didn't feel like a sweep. Mm-hmm. And rarely I disagree, rarely do I agree with that because I'm like, you get swept, you get swept. But this no, one actually man. genuinely felt like it. There was the Jordan Alvarez home Every run. Every game in, that in the first, Yeah, like the first one was the epic walk-off yeah. by Alvarez. And then the second one, he had another big dinger where the M's were leading. And then, they, and then the third game, I'm glad that Mariners fans, even though it was heartbreaking, that the return to playoff baseball in Seattle, they got that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been nice to get a run. Say what you will, but I mean, how dramatic was that? Like so that, much fun. That's yeah. what you're talking about, like standing, chewing your fingernails, big pit stains because you're sweating so much. <laughs> that was that game. You'd Somebody pointed that, out they stopped serving beer after the tenth inning too, so everyone was just. Well, stone, they would have stopped it earlier. Stone sober would, by the uh, end they, there. Well, I don't know what the what the I mean the the rules of the seas games are. Seventh inning. And yeah, usually seventh is the last. Yeah. Mike and I have talked about this before, but when we were at that quadruple overtime game between the Canucks and the Stars, you know, they stopped beer sales after the second period or whenever it is. Yeah. And then so you're sitting there in the fourth overtime, you're like, boy, I sure am sober. Yeah. Yeah. I actually started to think about how much my lower back would hurt standing yeah. for so long. <laughs> I moved in three game. hours. <laughs> yeah. realized how boring this game actually is. Yeah. <laughs> they no. should have started beer sales again at the 16th inning. Just, totally yeah, like, just to see yeah. what happens. Let's, let's add some excitement to the fans here. It was uh, the middle of the day. Like, it would have been fine. Yeah. The game started at 1. Yeah. Right? I mean, it went late. but So, I don't want to get an- uh, Laddie to anger here. Um, you know, I don't, have a, I don't have a hardcore loyalty or allegiance to either the Blue Jays or the Mariners. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'll cheer for both of them. And if you think that's sacrilege, fine. I don't care. I do a lot of things that are wrong. Twitter sure seemed to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> You're you know. a Jays fan. Yeah, no, I saw, I saw a few of that. Whatever. Can't be I, both. I jump on bandwagons, and I make no apologies for it. And I jumped on the Mariners bandwagon, and I hope to jump on again next fall. Uh, and now I know some of the players' names, so I'm, like, well ahead of things. Um, I hope they're not just a flash in the pan. I don't think they will be. They got some young, good players uh, locked up. I'll be curious to see what they do this offseason. Does ownership, which has already shown that it's willing to spend some money with some contract commitments to some of the younger guys, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Rodriguez or Castillo. Castillo was the big one, right? Or whatever. I mean, I guess they're going to have to figure something out with Kirby, um, which which sounds like like your buddy Kirby, but it's, in fact, that's his last name. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they're going to go out and maybe spend some money on. It's not like their offense was terrible, but I think it could probably be improved a little bit, mm-hmm. given the fact you know they didn't score a run in eighteen innings. That was the tough. That's that a small yeah, sample size. Julio made a nice catch though. That was tough. Julio was great yeah. in the playoffs. Actually, he was really. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, they I don't, just don't, they don't want have enough to, bats right now. Yeah, I just don't want it to be a flash in the pan. Right. Right. I I, I want them to be a consistent. Um, threat to make the playoffs, but actually more than that, I want them to you know be in the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. been two decades. Let's get a run of playoff appearances now. Now I know that a lot of managers come under scrutiny in the postseason, but uh, I know that there's a lot of people that weren't happy with Scott's service. Um, it's funny because in order to get to the spot, meaning the postseason, where you come under that kind of scrutiny, you have to have a lot of success as a manager, right? 
Like, you talk about Bruce Boudreaux as we bring everything comes back to the Canucks. You talk about Bruce Boudreaux's playoff failings, right? He never gets it done in the postseason. Well, the reason that he's had those opportunities is because he's been a terrific regular season coach, right? So Scott Service right now is under fire, obviously, for the Robbie Ray decision in game one, which, when you're looking back in retrospect, that kind of cost them the series. I know they yeah. had opportunities no, after sure. that, but that game should have been done. And well, it wasn't just Robbie Ray either. It was like Munoz allowed a two run. I know, but I mean, I know what you mean. Baseball, you mean. baseball really allows itself to crystallize those one key moments because it's well, all most individual matchups, do. right? Yeah. But with that in particular, Ray, like yep. bringing Ray in, um, Dave Roberts is getting it right now in Los Angeles, and it's funny because as armchair analysts, you're all saying like, ah, you know, fire the manager, could have done this instead of that, and could have done this instead of that. It's what makes baseball great, and you know what the the great part about it is. You're going to get, and I guarantee there'll be something tonight because it's game five, Yankees, Guardians, one game, winner take all. Mm -hmm. Unless it's a complete blowout, which based on this series, I I don't see that happening at all. Uh, I I love it when it comes down to those like one singular moments that you just know is going to kind of define a game. I hope we get one tonight. Uh, The Vancouver Canucks are also in action tonight against the Washington Capitals, and there's word out of Washington that Kuznetsov may not be good to go for the Washington Capitals tonight. I think he missed practice yesterday. He's not skating this morning, so it sounds like he'll be a game-time decision. So obviously we never cheer for injuries here, but if Kuznetsov doesn't play, then you've got Kuznetsov missing down the middle. You've got Nicholas Backstrom missing down the middle. So I don't know what the Capitals' top two centers would be. Maybe Lars Eller and be, Dylan Strom. It would be Dylan Strom, Lars Eller, and uh, moving up from the fourth to the third line, Nick Dowd. Nick Dowd. Nick Dowd, everyone. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the Canucks roll out for their lines. Yeah. We got a text in from Ella. Mike and Jason, why do you think Bruce never plays Besser and Pedersen together on the same line I don't really know to be perfectly honest with you Ella I'm sorry I don't have a better answer there uh I know it doesn't sound like they'll play together tonight uh Horvat and Miller switch spots right so Horvat is now between Besser and Pearson and maybe that is going to be Bruce's matchup line as much as you can have a matchup line on the road Pedersen was skating with Kuzmenko and Lazar yesterday. Mikheyev is also an option there. And I imagine what would happen if Mikheyev is good to go tonight is that Mikheyev would play with Pedersen and Kuzmenko and Lazar would drop down to the fourth line uh, with Oman and Joshua and Hoaglander would be a healthy scratch. JT Miller, he of the guy that's been on the ice for all eight Canuck goals, was on a line with Garland and Paul Colson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it was a it was a question heading into this season. It's been a question with this team for a while. If the Canucks have a lead, who is their shutdown line? Who gets the who gets the most important defensive assignments? If you look at the three centers that the Canucks have, as much as you like those centers, and you're like, are those good players? Yeah, they're good players. Miller and Horvat are not great defensively, and for whatever reason, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux does not want to put Pedersen in that matchup shutdown role. Bruce Boudreaux seems to think that Pedersen is better in the so-called softer matchups. Like, yeah. you let Horvat and and Miller handle the, the tough assignments, and you let Pedersen hopefully get those opportunities against the weaker matchups. I wonder if Bruce is going to have to rethink that. 
Because Miller is not good defensively. Horvat is not good defensively. And being good at faceoffs does not mean you're good at you're good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a this is one of the issues that we talked about. There's two issues that we talked about a lot uh, in terms of the player makeup of the rosters. Like we talked about the coaching, the management, but I'm talking about the roster here. One is obviously obviously the defense, and that really is just like a lack of players, right? Like they need they need more players, they need better players. Uh, but up front. You talk about the lack of two-way ability, right? How many smart two-way players do the Canucks have? If you, and again, if you want to use the comparison of the team a decade ago, fine. Kessler won a Selkie. Burroughs was good defensively. Higgins was good defensively. Malhotra was good defensively. The Sedins were responsible defensively, right? They knew how to lock a game down. Yep. They had two lines that you could throw out there and they could check, 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 right? The Kessler line, the Malhotra line, and then you had good defensive pairs with Ham Houston, Bieksa being their shutdown pair. Do the Canucks have any of that right now? No. Like, they have talent. There's no doubt they have talent. Right, that's the identity. But of are them. they? But is it the right mix of players? I don't know if it is. But it is the mix of players. I mean, it's it, for lack of a better explanation, it's what they're working with currently. There is, like, again... I respect the fact what you're saying about they don't have uh, a true defensive shutdown forward group or maybe even an individual. At the same time, look, be dead honest, you didn't need one against Philly. You didn't need a matchup line. You didn't need a shutdown. Who are you shutting down? Joel Farabee? <laughs> Honestly, like if you get a 2 nothing lead against Philly, you just go and play. You should yeah, be able to beat them. You should be them. able to win that. I get McDavid and Dreisaitl, you need a matchup because, and you're going to lose that matchup anyway, but you should have a guy that can at least make life difficult. Like, I, But that's I don't a lot know. easier said than done against McDavid than it is against F- the Flyers. Philly's second leading forward in ice time was Noah Cates. Like, if you can't stop that, that goes beyond having a designated shutdown well, guy. Well, let's face it. They they killed themselves against the Flyers. Exactly. Right? It was, the, it was a shorthanded goal given up, and then the winning goal was JT Miller just bobbling a pass in front of his own net, and it was in the back of the net. Yeah. Like, that's, so what, I, that's I, what I'm I, saying. You know, I, I on that winning goal, you're kind of like <laughs> – just, just a guy lacking confidence right there, or or it's a bad break, or yeah. it's things piling up on JT Miller. But um, there's no question that tonight, I I, I think the tonight, especially if Kuznetsov doesn't play, once again, like you did in Philly, you look at this lineup and go, yeah, the Canucks have more talent. You should. I mean, if you're if you're, but are they a better team? If there's no Kuznetsov and your opponent, an opposition center are Lars Eller, Nick Dowd, and Dylan Strom. If you're Miller and Horvat and Pedersen, you're standing up in the room and being like, this is a night where we have to dominate down the middle in the dot. That center position, we have to win that battle. And that's just because you have superior talent and superior depth. Again, Kuznetsov might play, might not, we don't know yet. But I, you know, and I hate saying this because we, we actually, we were laughing at this earlier in the show. But we have said so many times throughout the last couple of seasons, <laughs> I can't wait to see how they respond tonight. Yeah. Be really interested to see how they respond tonight. We'll it's, really find out what this team is made of. And we're never talking about responding after a victory. <laughs> yeah, let's see if they can string some wins together. Yeah, I, I don't remember saying that. I mean, I said it a couple times last year when they went on the crazy run with Boudreaux. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this thing keeps going or how long this train keeps running. <laughs> but you're constantly wondering how a team is going to bounce back from a subpar performance or – a loss, and in the last two instances, two games where you should have had at least one point in each of them. Like I understand, 
all the elements that went into the Edmonton game. McDavid and Dreisaitl are inevitable. You got hosed on a high-sticking, missed high-sticking penalty, which was brutal and egregious. But if you remove all the narratives and if you take all the extraneous color away from it, you had a 3-0 lead in your first game of the year. You had a 2-0 lead in your second game of the year, and you have two losses and zero points. Like, it's just it's not good enough. I know it's only two games into the season. They could win tonight, and they will be right back in the swing of things. But if they win tonight, one of the questions, and it's a legitimate one, is how much better would this road trip have been if you were able to get something out of Philly and Edmonton? Text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's one, unsigned. It's not on one line to shut down when you have the lead. It's a team's mentality and structure you switch to when you have the lead, but we don't have a team. We have a bunch of hockey players. That's a fair comment, man. I don't, dis- a, I, don't dis- is, I don't disagree with that's that. That's a fair yeah. comment. Yeah. Uh, Gary, the atheist, texts in. I think Gary doesn't believe in anything. No. Uh, I think Boudreaux has to give up this idea of Petey, Horvat, and Miller down the middle and put Miller back on the wing. If the Canucks keep losing, then Boudreaux's going to be open to any idea. Yep. I don't, I'm pretty sure he's got that card in his back pocket to play. Probably a little premature to do it after two games, but he's got it. Because he knows that it'll work. The, 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 this team, let's be clear. This team is very far from desperation mode yet, where they're going to start pulling out all the stops. But <laughs> I don't know about very far, because if they Reasonably. if they come home from this road trip with, like, one win. But what we saw. You're into desperation you know, mode already. Uh, we were talking to Samantha Pell from the Washington Post earlier. By the way, you can download and hear her interview, Hour One Podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. Actually, no Google. Don't go to Google. Just Apple. Is Google is still not working. That's right. Uh, she, you know, I asked her right off the hop. It's like, hey, some similarities here. Washington started with uh, consecutive losses to start the season. There was a little bit of angst and animosity. They came into that game against Montreal on Saturday, switched up the lines, played with a little more urgency, urgency got the win. So you could see that from the Canucks. And we already saw a glimmer of it yesterday when they skated that the lines do look different. So there's that as well. Uh, do we read this one from Dalvir? There are no moral victories for the Canucks this year. Could have been if that different plan was undergone. But with the contract bets that have been made, you simply have to win. Yeah, Bruce Bridgeau said it in training camp. He said, if we don't miss the playoffs this year, it'll be a disaster. I mean, come on. The, the messaging from this group is pretty obvious, right? When you're rolling around wearing shirts that say unfinished business. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no moral victories in the unfinished business business. You know what I mean? Like, this is a team that is... All in on making the playoffs. The mm-hmm. coaches said it. The players are wearing it. Like this is about results. So you can't. You can again. I got plenty of time for everyone. It's like overreaction Monday. Two losses. You guys are way too much. You know what's interesting? Nobody said that. Like well, one one person has texted in and said you guys are overreacting. That's it. I I, I think there is a uniform feeling among this fan base that hey. You guys were the ones that kept on harping on the importance of our first five, ten games. You guys were the ones who said, we're not going to bury ourselves this year. Two games in, you've already started digging. Well, it's just a, it's just a results-based business, and they're a results-based team now. They're not about, um, like, like everyone said, they're not about moral victories. They're, just, they're not. I mean, you know, you need to find a way to scratch and claw points, especially when you have – such a recent example 
of pissing away points, and that was last season. It's right there. It's staring at you. You missed the playoffs by a handful of points because you threw away so many of them at the beginning of the season. So they know that, yeah, it could have gone better in Edmonton. Yeah, it could have gone better in Philly. But at the end of the day, I would say at the least, there's two points there that got pissed away. I hate saying pissed away so many times, but that's what it was, right? You should have at least got out of Edmonton with one when you have a 3 nothing lead, and you should have at least got one in Philly when they gifted you a 2 nothing lead. Gunner from Kelowna texts in, is there improvement with the Canucks coming, or is there a possibility that this is just it, this is as good as they get? Well, they can be better than they were in Philly. They can be as good as they were in the first period against the Edmonton Oilers. It's just finding that consistently. See, I thought the first period against the Oilers was great. Yeah, they I thought great. they played terrific. They were excellent. So there's your bar. Yeah. Right? Not, I mean, and again, there were some underlying metrics that suggested that Edmonton was controlling a little bit more of play than the 3 nothing lead no, would have but suggested. They were good. They were but the good. Canucks were good at 5-on-5, yeah. five five, and it was with a patchwork, de- patchwork defense. Mm-hmm. And you saw uh, explosive plays from Pedersen. You saw a really good play from Kuzmenko. So you saw what the potential could be. That's kind of what makes this frustrating, to be honest, is that you know that there's a level there that they did not get to in Philly. But with all due respect to what the team did uh, in the second half of last season, this team hasn't shown that they can be a good team. Like a Stanley Cup contender, they haven't shown that. They were very reliant on Thatcher Demko down the stretch last season. Very reliant. You know? Yep. I mean, they, ha- they haven't sh- they haven't shown that they can be a consistently good team. And all the people that were saying, well, they played at a 105-point pace or whatever it was under Bruce Boudreaux last season. Yeah, after they buried themselves. Sure. And they got great goaltending. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I listen, I, I can be a bit cynical. I can be a bit negative. But, no. But believe it or not, like, you know, you can be too optimistic about a team. And this is a message for ownership and management as well. Like, you think about what – there have been, like, two good runs for the Canucks in the last little while, right? There was the bubble in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and then there was the second half of last season. It seems like the Canucks are constantly going, like, let's grasp onto the good and just hope the bad goes away. Um, speaking of the bubble, I feel like it might be a Demko night tonight. I just got I got a hunch. I got a feeling. Seven goals against in his first two games. I, again, you're not putting anything at the feet of Thatcher Demko from the first two games. He'd be the least of their problems, I would say, mm-hmm. right? But um, there are those games where he comes in and it's just nothing's getting passed. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm sure that if you were to get the him The question it, is, will it be a Demko game tomorrow if the Canucks lose or do they go to Spencer? Martin? Well, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, the ideal scenario here is Demko goes in and performs bubble Demko. They get a victory, and then they can go to Martin in the second of a back-to-back. So that's just my humble prediction there is I think we're going to see one of those Thatcher Demko classics tonight as the Canucks take on the Caps well, in I, Washington. I sure hope they get a win because um, I, I, I've said this before on the show, and like I don't want to do another. I don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do another slow start. Like, I'm kind of out of anger. I mean, I think I could find some. I found some on Saturday, but it's so boring mm-hmm. right, to come in here and criticize the same old things. It's not even a different team. That's the problem, right? Like, if if they had made wholesale changes and they come back and they're bad again, then you're kind of like, well, at least it's a different team that's being bad. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about yeah. the moves. It's the same core, right? It's yeah. the same core. So, guys, prove it. Prove it tonight. Go out there and play well. Salvage this road trip. Bring these fans something to cheer for 
when you guys return home on Saturday for your home opener, don't be one and four. Don't be zero and five. Don't be zero and five. That would be please bad. don't be zero and five. This uh, is my living. See now he's upset again. <laughs> Coming up. On the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, the Canucks conversation continues with Sportsnet's Ian McIntyre. iMac joins us next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.